Ten Commandments. We've been going through now. We're on number three. We've gone through one and two. Okay, ready? Do you know what they are? Go. Okay, that's really quiet. That's a little too quiet, folks. Uh, okay, remember, I, I just, you know, you're just, you're just bashful. That's all. You're just embarrassed. Um, number one, you shall have no other gods before me, right? No other gods. Don't, you don't get to worship any other gods. Nothing goes in, in front or ahead or above me. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing takes the place of God. Commandment two was you shall not make for yourself an image or a graven image. Uh, uh, this would be uh, often translated or kind of referred to as idols. Don't make for yourself an idol and don't bow down and worship it. And, and, and we talk not like even more than just simply, you know, like a carved image in your home. We talked about specifically this commandment says don't make an image of anything in the heavens above, the earth below, or in the sea beneath. Don't make an image of it anything to bow down and worship. And, and, and this includes, we said, this includes religious items or symbols or images to say, no, 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 we're not bowing down or worshiping any kind of image, even if, even if we think that they are represent, representative of our faith or our God. No, 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 don't worship or bow down or make any image Um, that somehow represents God because there isn't an image that can adequately or effectively represent who God is. So we we talked about imageless worship and worship in spirit and in truth and what that looks like. Okay, now, commandment number three um, is, uh, is one that probably, like if you're just going through them all, this is probably the one that you're like, all right, that's the one I know I'm not breaking that at least right now, we can skip over that. And you kind of just go through it real fast. Commandment number three is all about God's name and, and, and using it correctly. And, and, and names are important. Name, names are really important. And names mean things. In fact, every name means something. My name, my name, uh, my name is Brandon Blumberg. Beautiful name, rolls off the tongue. A lot of bees, a lot of bees. Rolls out, it's just, it's just beautiful. I remember when my, you know, got married to my wife and her maiden name was Hill. And I like, that's such a boring, boring name. Don't you want to be a Blumberg with me? She's like, oh gosh, can we both change our name? <laughs> like, no, no, Blumberg, it means something, ready? It's German and it means this. Blum is, it means bloom and here's, this is great, ready? It means flower. No, don't do that. I'm, I, I don't think that's, that's not cute. Like, I don't want that to be cute. Like, yeah, oh, flower. Like, what's nice? That's very, but that's my name, right? Bloom or Blum, right? Berg, Berg means mountain. So here's what my name, here's what my last name means. Ready? Flowering mountain. Stop, don't do that. I hear that and I'm like, that's not, that's not a name. Like, that's not what I want. Like, if you're like, hey, Come up with a really great name. It, I, that's not what I come up with, Flowery Mountain. So, uh, so that's my last name. Okay, my first name is Brandon. Brandon means, ready for this? Brand means uh, broom. Broom, not like sweet broom. Um, brand means broom, and, uh, and Don, D-O-N, this is the old English now, it means, ready for this? Hill. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, Right? And, and broom, broom is the old English, like, you know what that is? Ready? This is so dumb, you guys. It's a type of flower. 
My first name means flowery hill, <laughs> and my last name means flowery mountain. So my name, that's it. Like, that's all I get. That's, that's who I am. You know, Jesus said, whether two or three are gathered, you know, I will be with you. For me, it's like anytime you see a, a, a mountain in flowers, I am there, right? You can, as you're driving by now, anywhere you go, you're like, oh, look at this Brandon Bloomberg. <laughs> That's it. That's a flowery, mountainish hill, right? That's my name. That's what it means. Your name means something. I don't know what it means. Maybe you don't even know what it means. But it means something. Names mean something. And, and, and I'm going to imagine that, like, hopefully your name means something cool and awesome, not something ri- ridiculous or repetitive like mine. But names mean something. And names, ready, ready? Names are very personal. Your name is you, right? I mean, that's you. And, and here's how you know it's personal, because if someone gets it wrong, you, you correct them. No, 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 wait, what does it matter? What does it matter what I call you? If they misspell it, right, if, you're, if they're writing your name down, or maybe in school, if you had a name that was, like, easy to misspell or hard to pronounce, like, I feel for you, because that was me. Like, I, I growing up, th- like, through, through, certainly through school, and, and then some, even into, like, employment, even now, like, people will, my name my name, my last name is Blumberg. And I, I, all the time I say it's Blum like Plum. Just, uh, you know, like Plum, but I just add a little extra thing on the bottom to make it a B. And it's Blum. And they're like, oh, like Bloomberg? No. You just got it wrong. I don't have two O's. I have a U. I have a U. Right? And it's pronounced wrong all the time. And sometimes it's spelled wrong. And my oldest son, his, uh, his name is Jackson. J-A-X-O-N. But there's a whole bunch of different ways to spell Jackson. And what do you know? We did it wrong. And so like everyone will like see CK, CKS. We even saw a J-A-C-K-X-O-N. You're like, okay, now you're just throwing in every letter that it could possibly be. And listen, if you get the name spelled wrong, that's wrong. No, and we want to correct it. If someone spells your name wrong, you're like, oh, actually it's uh, two I's or it's, uh, oh no, actually one L or, or, or it's an E-Y, not a Y. And you're like, oh, because it's personal to you. Your name's personal to you. It means something. God also has a name. And this third commandment is all about using that name correctly. Here's the commandment. Ready? Commandment number three. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, I imagine this, this morning is going to be a challenge to us. I hope every morning, every Sunday we talk is a, is a challenge, and it's an, an encouragement, but also uh, like a challenge to kind of spur us on to, to grow in our faith and, and to move you know, in a better understanding of who God is. But this morning, I think, it, it, I, I, I really think it will challenge us because it's easy to think that this commandment is just about watching your words. It's, it's really easy to, to, to move into this kind of this mentality that, that just really is just about making sure, making sure that you, you watch what you say and you don't, you, don't, you don't use certain swear words and you don't add God's name to it because that makes it worse. So, so taking the Lord's name in vain means saying, oh my, and I don't want to even say it, goodness, right? And you'll see things like OMG, and we're like, ooh, okay, that's, just, that's a cop-out. You're just trying to like, you're saying the same thing. And, and, and we can get a little uneasy with that, and we think, listen, I'm telling you, we think this commandment is just simply don't do that. And if I don't do that, I'm fine. If I don't, do, if I don't use like the kind of God's name as sort of like a derogatory kind of swearing kind of thing, and, and also the New Testament, we're told don't take oaths in God's name. So like, as long as I don't 
take his, like say his name in vain, and as long as I don't take oaths in his name under heaven, and then I'm good. That's what this commandment's about. And there is an element to it that involves that, certainly. But this, listen, this commandment is not what you think it's about. It is not about what you think it's, it's about or what you've maybe heard or like the kind of the first reading of it. And so we're gonna jump in and I think, I think, I hope it's really gonna challenge us. So here it is, Exodus chapter 20, verse seven. Here's what it says. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So how do we know? How do we know we're doing this? And, and specifically, like, how, how would we go about making sure we don't do this? Well, first, if we're not gonna take his name in vain, we need to know what it is. What is the name? What is this name that we're supposed to make sure that we don't take in vain? Because if we do, we're told we won't be guiltless, that God's gonna hold us guilty for taking his name in vain. All right, what's the name that I wanna make sure I don't take in vain? What do we know about God's name? Here it is, ready? God's name is more than just a sound. God's name reveals to us the essence of who he is. God's name is not, is not about um, what, like, make sure you just get the words right. It's not about what we call him. God's name is so much more than the, than the syllables we use to address him. It's not just the sounds that come out of our mouth. Any person's name is more than just the sounds that come out of our mouth. In fact, your name, your name means something to you because you can, you can bring honor to your name. You can bring shame to your name. You can have, your name can have a good reputation, a bad reputation. Names mean things because we understand that names are attached to reputations and character. Here's how you know like uh, names mean things because um, when, um, when you go you know, shop at businesses or you know, you're doing business with whatever, whatever it is, and they have a name, they'll be like, you know, Smith's Plumbing. And you're like, oh, all right, I'm going to, what do you use for plumbing? I, and, by the way, if you have a business called Smith's Plumbing, f- this is free advertising. I did not plan this at all. But you, you assume it's Smith's Plumbing, right? And you go to them, you're like, hey, I want to talk to Mr. Smith. Oh, oh, he died 200 years ago. 200 years ago? Yeah, I bought this from them a while ago. I, I, this is my business now. The Smiths are out, of the, are out of the family business. Well, why do you call it Smith? What's your name? Oh, my name's Johnson. Well, why don't you change the name? Because Smith's plumbing means something, right? Because it has a reputation. There's plenty of businesses that you go to and you're like, oh man, it's called something and no one there has that name. No one there. But they kept it because it means something. It has a reputation. Names mean something, and they carry things with them, right? Family names. You hear a last name of someone, and you think, oh, man, that means something, right? We hear Kennedys, or, or, or we, hear, um, we hear, like, uh, Rothschilds, and we hear, uh, like, even in our country, certain names that you're going, oh, that means something, right? There's, 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 I remember there's names in, uh, in, uh, in churches, people that maybe families that have been pillars of the church for a while. Um, in my last church, I was at for uh, a long time. Um, 
there was a name there that uh, one of the guys that was close to me and he, they, this family helped lead me to the Lord, their last name was McElroy. And if you knew the McElroy, that you, if you had the last name McElroy, you knew what that meant. It meant you, you were a part of this family and they had, it felt like just, just a whole army of them. Like they just, man, they just kept having more and more kids. And they're like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of you. It mean, and it means something. Okay. God's name also has a reputation and it applies to his character. Okay, so let's look at this. God tells us his name in Exodus chapter three for the first time. And here's what's happening. God is now calling Moses to be uh, the guy that's gonna set his people free, that's gonna release him, to release them from, uh, from the bondage in Egypt and like, all right, they're gonna be set free. And so he, he tells Moses specifically, all right, here's what I want you to do. And Moses has questions because he's like, hey, I don't, are you sure I'm the guy? Are you sure I'm the guy? Here's what it says. Exodus chapter three, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. Suppose I go to your people that I'm supposed to free and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Not my God or our God, but the God of your fathers. Like, hey guys, all, like all of you, the God of your father, he's sent me, little old me. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm, you know who I am, but I'm not really like, I didn't grow up as one of you. It says this, then God said to Moses, right? Oh, he says this, and, and they asked me, what is his name? So he says, suppose I go to them, the God of the fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What is this God's name? Then what shall I tell them, right? Fair question, fair question, Moses. All right, he's going to the Lord and saying, all right, what do I call you? What do I tell them your name is? And here's what it is, ready? I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. He gives us his name. And his name means something. And, and right at the gate, like you look at this and you go, all right, Lord, like the grammar's not exactly correct. <laughs> the I am has sent me to you. And it continues. God, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord you see that in all caps? Guess what word that is? That's the same word as I am. It's translated differently here, but it's the same word in Hebrew. Same exact word. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. He says, this is my name. And it's not gonna change. In fact, he might be the only being in history that has named himself that, that he's like, all right, I, I, this is describing who I am. All of us got named by someone else. And maybe we've decided to change our name if we want to, but he shows up and he says, this is who I am. And here's the name, ready? Yahweh. Maybe you've heard this name before. In theology, it's called the tetragrammaton. It's a big word. It means it's four specific letters. And it means, it means to exist or to be. Hence the translation, I am. It's kind of a hard to translate word. It just means to to, uh, to be in existence or to, ready for this? To is. <laughs> what do you mean is? Like, yeah, he is. Not he was, not he will be, he just is. He is existence. I am. So it's, he says this, Yahweh, Aser, Yahweh. I am who I am. I am that I am. I exist that I exist. Okay, this name is different. This might be the greatest name ever given to us, and it has, it's a special name with a special weight to it, 
So God tells us, don't take this name in vain. The name of Yahweh. And, and we guess that's how it's pronounced. We don't really know because here's just a little kind of little Hebrew history lesson. You ready? Um, Hebrew, Hebrew has no vowels. Hebrew has no vowels. It's all consonants. This makes it terrible to study. <laughs> like, like, I remember in, in seminary going like, all right, I'm gonna learn Greek and we went through Greek and you never, like, I never really, you learn it, but you really just become functional in it. And like, all right, it's at least, you know, it looks similar to English and kind of the letters kind of translate over and you're like, all right, that makes sense. Hebrew is a whole different beast. They go right to left. They totally do it wrong. They read right to left. And, um, and, and, and the, the letters are just like symbols and stuff and, and there's no vowels. So like, how do you have a language without vowels? How do you know how to pronounce things if it's all consonants? And here's what we were told every time. You know by the context. What do you mean the context? There's certain words in Hebrew that are written exactly, they have the same letters. The same letters. Same three letters. Same letters. It can mean soldier or it can mean land. You're like, how do you know? How do you know? Oh, context. I don't know the context because I don't know the other words around it. <laughs> Hebrew is hard. And, and so what they did... Um, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years after like, the, the language kind of uh, showed up and they kind of were using it, um, to learn how to pronounce it, they added what was called vowel pointing. They add points to it, like little marks below and above letters and they change in lines. So they don't add actual, like, actual vowel letters. What they do is called vowel pointing. And so, and so you would know for pronunciation, like, okay, these two dots means to pronounce it like this, and this line means to pronounce it like that. So if you see Hebrew, you'll see, you'll see if you see it with dots and lines and stuff, you'll know, oh, that's for pronunciation. Like, that's how they know, right? Okay, here's what they would do. Because this name was such a big deal, and, and because, like, Israelites and the Jews did not want to break this commandment, here's what they said, ready? The way you don't break this commandment is to... Like the guaranteed way, we'll never say, we'll never say the Lord's name in vain is to never say his name. They went a, a little above and beyond, right? So to, to make sure we don't use it wrong, we won't use it. We won't say it. Even today, even today, if you look at Jewish writing, it'll say God, G, capital G, dash D. Like, hey, I didn't write it. I didn't write the full name. Even God, I didn't want to write God, and they'll never say Yahweh. If there's like an Orthodox Jew in here right now, they'd be uncomfortable with me. Oh, every time I say Yahweh, oh, don't say it. Not because it's offensive, but because, hey, that's his name. And we gotta make sure we, we use it right. So let's, let's just not use it at all. So what they did was they added, to, pron to pronounce Yahweh, they added the vowels of the word Adonai. Adonai in Hebrew means Lord. Hence is why it's translated Lord often. So the consonants were Yahweh and the vowel pointing though was Adonai. So when they read it, they would say, don't say Yahweh, say Adonai. It's a reminder. And, and, and this word, so like the consonants of Yahweh and the vowels of Adonai, when you pronounce that, this kind of made up word sort of thing, it's not like a real word, it's sort of like a, just a, you know, to, to how, to, how to pronounce it. Um, here's, here it is, ready? Here's how you say it. Yahovah which is similar to, it leads to, like a lot of German scholarship, Y's become J's, and guess what it becomes? Jehovah. It's where we get the name Jehovah. Jehovah is kind of the, 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 the combination of the consonants and vowels of this word, and it becomes Jehovah, right? 
because they didn't want to say, you don't say his name in vain. Don't say it. So we see that God's name means something. It means something to them. It means something to us. And so listen, don't take his name in vain because he will not hold guiltless those who do. So don't do it. Don't do it. So whatever we're talking about, we need to know this. Whatever taking it in vain looks like is a big deal. We know the name. We know the name means something. So much so that they're like, don't even say it. And if, and if we need to, add vowels around it so that we don't ever say that. Remind us, don't ever say that. Because we don't want to say it in vain. So it means something. So whatever taking it in vain also seems to be a big deal. Because God says, I'm not going to hold you guiltless if you take my name in vain. I will not hold you guiltless. I will, listen, you are guilty. Whoa. Okay. This, is, this seems to be so much more than just simply, you know, make sure you don't swear and add God's name to it. That is not what he's talking about. It would include that, certainly, but it's so much more than just that. Here's what we see. Your words have the power to transform things for good or for evil. Your words, your words carry weight. In fact, we can say this, that God's name carries more weight than you think it does. The name Yahweh carries more weight than we think it does. And at the same time, your words carry more weight than you know. Here's what it says in Proverbs 18. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. If they produce life, they'll deal with life. If they produce death, they get to eat the fruit of death. That your words have the power of life and death. And you know this to be true because, listen, ready? People have used words against you and you felt it. And you've used words for people and they felt it. And if you use words of life, like if you're encouraging someone, you're speaking something uh, that they're good at or, or you're, um, you're mentioning how, how wonderful they are in this thing or like, wow, I'm, I really appreciate how you do this or you're like this or uh, you're so kind and, and you're just like, man, you can, you can literally see someone just like, oh, wow, that, okay, I, stop it. Just stop, stop it. I mean, keep coming, keep me coming. But don't you stop it. You, you, you can see people kind of stand up taller. And if you have kids, especially if you have kids at home, man, you see this all the time, that when you speak words of love and encouragement and truth and, 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 you're, and you're talking about them, but you're speaking like how you see them, man, it like breathes just like, it's almost like, man, it's like a superpower. Like, all right, man, my mom believes in me. My dad believes in me. I can do anything I want. And then we see the flip side is also true, right? Like, like our words can also speak death. And, and when we criticize or we're critical or we bring down or, 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 or we speak negatively or, we, or, we, or, we, uh, or, or we, we're abusive in language or whatever it is, man, we can see that same person. Shoulders start to shrug and it's sort of like, oh, man. Like you can bring people down really easily with your words, really easily. And, and listen, so much so that I imagine a number of you, probably all of us, are living with the scars of the words from people in our past. You remember the words. You know them. You know who 
said it and what they said, and it cut you. And it may be decades old, and if you hear those words, it still comes up. Because words have power for life and blessing, but also death and and, and to, to literally ruin people. Words carry more weight than you know. Here's what James says about the tongue and about how, like, the words we use. Here's what he says in James chapter three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, these huge, majestic, beautiful, like incredibly strong beasts of an animal. He said, we can control them with just a little bit, just a little metal piece in their mouth. We can control every, like any direction we want them to go. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the pilot wants to go. Like just the rudder of a ship determines the, 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 wherever, like the course of the entire vessel. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a, what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. I read that and I'm like, man, central Oregon in summer, it's coming. We're gonna, we're gonna see the effects of this, right? Oh, there's a little fire over there. Great, now we're breathing all this smoke in for the next four months, like wonderful. Just a little, just a little spark can set a forest on fire. The tongue, he says, is also a fire, a world of evil among the, the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All right, James, you're like going for it, right? Here's what he's saying. If you can't control your mouth, you can't control what you say and how you say it and the words you use and and how you communicate to people, it can ruin your life. We see this. We see this all the time where where you say something that that you shouldn't have, that I I know even as I'm saying it, but maybe it's an argument, maybe you're frustrated and you know if I say this thing, it's gonna set them off, but like, all right, they deserve it. And you say the thing, it can ruin relationships. Just simple words, just with your tongue. It can set your whole life on fire. James understood just, just, how, just how powerful our words are. He continues, verse nine, he says this, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. We can't do this. You can't come to church on Sunday and worship this God with your mouth and then on Sunday afternoon or Monday then just spew venom and, and like ridicule and, and hatred. And You can't do He says, brothers and sisters, how can we praise God and then curse the, the very people made in his image? Oh, he says, don't do that. How can you do this? Our words... Our words carry more weight than we imagine. So we, we should, we should speak words of gratitude and praise and kindness and love and encouragement. Integrity and authenticity in our speech is so important. But is, is that all this commandment is talking about? Is this commandment just saying, hey, just watch what you say. Just don't say my name in vain and don't speak oaths about me. Is that what he's saying? Because if that were the case, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know that, that that's, that's not at all the case. And 
If it were, then he would have said, don't say my name in vain. He didn't say that. He said, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't take it in vain. Whatever take means, it seems to be important. Whatever the Hebrew word is for take, we should probably figure out, all right, Lord, what is that? In, it, in the original language, right? What did you actually say? And the actual word is nasa. Okay, can you say it with me? Ready? Nasa. Think of, think of NASA with an accent, right? Nasa. Nasa does not mean to speak. It, it means to take, but that's really general and vague, and it, 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 it's much more specific than that. If he wanted to say, don't say my name in vain, he would have said, don't say my name in vain. It's not about just speech. He says, don't nasa, don't take my name in vain. And it means this, to lift up, to carry, or to bear. Okay, ready? The commandment is not, watch what you say. Just don't say my name in vain. The commandment is this, don't you dare bear my name in vain. Whoa, that's very different. Don't you, da- don't you dare take up my name and carry it in vain. Ooh, this is different. This is different than just simply, well, I just make sure I won't say the, the words. What God is getting at here is much more than just making sure like your language is right. The ESV gets it, gets it or the NIV gets it a little closer than the ESV. ESV is what we read first. The NIV says this, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so it's closer than the fact that it's not about just simply not saying it right, but like you're using it wrong and you're carrying it wrong. You're bearing it wrong. Like you, you, the name of the Lord is to be, is to be revered and honored and respected. And, and don't you dare, don't you dare take that up in vain. If you do, I won't hold them guiltless. Here's the deal, ready? The commandment, you shall not carry or bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. Here's what it means for us as followers of Jesus, ready? As Christians, we bear his name in everything we do. You bear the name of Jesus in everything you do. Here's the deal, if you are a follower of Jesus, you, you've, this, is, this, is, this is one of the cool things that happens. The Bible tells us that you are now adopted into God's family. We are adopted sons and daughters into his family. And do you know what we get? What happens when you get adopted? Do you know what you get? A name, a new name. Hey, you're one of us now. When, when you're adopted into his family, you get a new name. When we, here's how we know this to be true. It's, all, it's actually all over the New Testament. Um, when you are baptized, do you know what you're baptized into? You're not baptized into the experience. You're not baptized into the church. You're not baptized into a certain way of doing things. Jesus says, hey, go and make disciples, teaching them everything and baptizing them. What did he say? Ready? In the name. You are baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's something, right? I think there's a song about that. There's just something about that name. There, the, the name means something, and it's so much more than just what we say. It actually refers to like his reputation and his character, and we, we become associated with that. When you decided to follow Jesus, you got the name. You got the name. You got adopted in the family, and now, listen, whether you like it or not, 
Whether you knew you were getting into this or not, you now carry the name. And here's how you know it to be true. Ready? Because when people see you, especially when like non-Christians, non, not like non-believers see you, here's how they judge you. They judge you not based on your character, not based on your family, not based on your history. They judge you as a Christian. If you do something wrong, it's not you who did it wrong. It's Christianity. You as a Christian did that. And they'll say things like that, because I get this, you know, quite often, maybe. (laughs) Well, that's not very Christian. That's not very Christian. I, I remember getting this from some family members of mine who aren't Christians and didn't like a response I had to something because, you know, I was holding a firm line and creating a boundary. And it was, well, that doesn't seem very Christian of you. And my response was, how do you know what a Christian is supposed to do? How do you know what Christian is? Well, it's supposed to be this. Hold on, hold on. How about you let me decide how I live out my faith? But that doesn't change the fact that I'm judged, not as Brandon, not as Flowery Mountain. (laughs) I'm judged as a Christian because I have the name. I took on the name. And if you are a follower of Jesus, so did you. You took on the name. And you're judged, not as you, not as your name. You're judged as a Christian because you took the name. And this commandment then is, ready? Don't you dare carry or bear that name in vain. Don't you misuse it. Don't you misuse the name that you've been adopted into, that you've been given. That's different. You see how this commandment is so much more than just watch your mouth. This is about now how you live. Paul tells us that God gives us his name and his reputation to us, and then he tells us that we're representatives. We are actually, he calls us ambassadors for Jesus. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. And look at what he says. As though God were making his appeal through us. It's as though God is like using us and speaking through us on his behalf. We speak on his behalf about him to other people. And he says, because we do that, he says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Here's our message. Ready? Be reconciled to God. Get made right with him. Make sure that you and him are right because that's the message. And he says, he uses us to speak that to people. First Peter chapter four, Peter, uh, he also talks about the name and he says this, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. He says this, listen, if people do actually insult you and persecute you because you're a Christian, because of the name of Jesus, you are blessed because now you, like that means, that means you got the name. It means you're in, you got it. You're identified with him. Wonderful, you are blessed. Consider it pure joy. He goes on in verse 16 to say, however, if you suffer as a Christian, he says, if you suffer because you, know, you deserve it, what does that mean? But he says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God, here it is, ready? That you bear that name. Oh man, it's good news. It's good news when someone says, hey, aren't you a Christian? Yeah, thanks for noticing. Well, <laughs> we don't really like what you think about this or what do you think about this or I can't believe you guys believe this. Hey, I get it, but here's the deal. Ready? I took on the name. When I decided to become a follower of Jesus, I took on the name of Christ. Not that I am Christ, but rather I now, I, I am judged on how well I represent it or not. All right. This is a responsibility 
so much more than just watch your mouth, watch your tongue. This is how do I, how do I represent it well? This command is not about dishonoring God's name. It's about misrepresenting it. It's about presenting God inaccurately to other people by how you live. Ooh. Listen, do the people you're closest to in your life, do they even know you're a Christian? Assuming you are, maybe you aren't. If you aren't, this doesn't apply to you, you know, enjoy the morning, you're good. (laughs) If you decided to take the name, ready? Do people know? Can they look at your life and say, yeah, that guy is a follower of Jesus. Oh yeah, she is definitely. She, whatever Christian is, like, she's definitely it. She's, she, this, is, this is real and she takes this seriously. Do people know? Can they recognize the name on you? This command is not about dishonoring God. It is about misrepresenting it. So to honor God's name well, I need to represent it well. This command is all about how you live out the name you've been given. And don't take it in vain. Don't, don't, we have the responsibility to live in a worthy manner of, uh, a manner worthy of the name and this great responsibility to bear the name. So don't, ready? Don't bear it in vain. Do not carry his name in vain. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're gonna worship the Lord together and then, and then we'll, We'll experience communion here together. So Lord, we, we thank you for your, your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. We thank you that you've, for whatever reason, you've decided to use us as your ambassadors. You've adopted us into your family so that we can be with you and you did all of the work for us. Jesus, you dying on the cross was to reconcile us so that we can be adopted into the family of God. So now, Lord, you've given us your name. Help us, remind us, give us the grace to bear it well, to carry your name well, to not misrepresent or to to bear it in vain. Help us, help us, Lord, in your grace to live out our faith with those around us knowing we won't be perfect there's plenty of times we'll fall and make mistakes but Lord you forgive us each time and we're still a part of your family help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do to live out your name and to bear it well we pray this in Jesus name seen this last song is be encouraged that we have overcome Jesus has overcome in his name let the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond all creation waits with an expectation to declare the rain of the Lord our God. We will not be moved when the earth gives way for the risen one is over. 
the silence breaks in the name of Jesus as the heavens cry that the earth respond all creation shouts with the voice of triumph to declare the reign of the Lord our God we will not be moved when the earth gives way have the elements you can pull those out now if you're at home watching you can grab yours as well and we're told that on the night that Jesus would be betrayed he's having a meal it's his final meal the last supper with his his closest friends his disciples and he starts this by by getting some bread by says he he broke he gave thanks broke this bread and gave it to them and said this is my body given for you take this in remembrance of me go ahead and take the bread Then we're told this meal, this, this three-hour meal. In the book of John, he, he writes down what happened to this. So we, we know, we know the conversation that they had and, and what happened when. And then we're told at the end of this meal, it's all coming to a close. Jesus gets his cup, he fills it with wine, and he says, all right, guys, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this, go ahead and drink this in remembrance Take the cup. The reason we do this, the reason we do this regularly here at New Hope, isn't because this bread means something or that this juice is somehow special. Rather, it points us and reminds us to continually remember what it is that Jesus did for us. 
that, that it was his body given for us and his blood shed for us so that we could be reconciled to God and be adopted into the family and be given his name. And this commandment, this third commandment now, ready? Is how you live it out. Don't take or carry or bear that name in vain. We pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you. We thank you that you, in your great wisdom, have decided to give us your name. We pray again and we ask that we would continue to bear it well. You would convict us where we need it to continue to make us more and more like Jesus. Help us, Lord. Remind us to carry your name well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.